today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, would you book a hotel, a room at a floating hotel? Floating in space, that is. And the National Park Service responds to 110,000 public comments on proposed park entry rate increases. We have an update. At 320, we make you a smarter traveler. Subjects include TSA's comments on bringing your favorite munchies on the plane. And I have tips for packing with cubes. The requests for consumer advocacy are increasing, and a popular website is expanding how they help you. Chris Elliott joins us at 335 for an important update for those in search of assistance with their travel problems. Well, everyone has heard of Airbnb by now, but how about taking it one step further and trading your home for someone else's for a week without paying a penny? It's called Home Exchange, and we have the scoop at 345. Finally, I'm on the road in Illinois, traveling along an old highway called Route 66. Maybe you've heard of it. I'll share some stories at 355 on today's edition of The Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. guys are on the air. It's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano. We're brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Thanks for uh, stopping in and joining us uh, for an hour. We got uh, stuff to make you a smarter traveler, entertain you all along the way. By the way, you can follow along with what we talk about here on the radio at TravelGuysRadio.com. I'm in studio. We're right uh, down the street from Cal Expo. Beautiful Sunday afternoon. Might get a, a sprinkle before the day's out. And my travel guy buddy, is it uh, is probably his number one trip. Favorite place to go. A lot of people would question his sanity on this one, but he likes <laughs> he likes to go in the on the mother road, the old Route 66. Mark, where do we find you at this moment in time on the routes? We have finished our third day of travel. We are in Springfield, Illinois today. And uh, the weather has not been real, real fun for us here. We're hovering around 40, 45 degrees for a couple of days. A spring is coming to the Midwest eventually, just not today. Uh, we fortunately have dodged the horrible snowstorm that is up around Minnesota and Wisconsin and Chicago. But uh, we have been, just been tooling along uh, the old highway, stopping in every little town and meeting people and seeing the, the seeing the roadside attractions from the 40s and 50s and 60s that are quite different from the roadside attractions of today. It's a, it's a trip back in time, and we're having a lot of fun. Outstanding. Well, I'll tell you what, I want to... Uh poke at you a little bit about your your trip and what's going on uh, again uh, on our program towards the uh, towards the end of the show at about uh, oh 355 so those that are interested uh, stay tuned and by the way next sunday show is going to be all about uh, route 66 we're going to have some special sound that mark's going to gather along the way some interviews and we'll have that for you next sunday on the travel guys uh let's see here let's jump into the travel guys 
news and find out what the world's going on. Want to mention Huey Lewis and uh, our our one who is, is our theme for our newscast uh, announced uh, in the last day or so that he has gone almost completely deaf. Uh, he had, was in Dallas for a concert and was unable to hear well enough to sing and has postponed all of his uh, all of his performances for the remainder of the year. Is working with the doctors in different locations to see if they can pin down what the problem is and and get Huey fixed so that we can go back to enjoy the live Huey concerts whenever possible. Anyway, uh, as we were, Mark, what's late? The latest in the travel news this morning. This well, afternoon. Thomas, uh, in the travel news here, let's see in the headline, we mentioned that the National Park Service has uh, rethought their increases of the of park fees. They originally had talked about increasing the admission uh, price for a vehicle for a you could stay as long as a week. But of course, if you were only staying a day, it was the same price. It was thirty dollars a vehicle. They were talking about raising it to seventy dollars. A vehicle. Uh, when they asked for public comments, there were some other price crease increases involved. In fact, uh, everybody from tour operators to people who were walking into the park on foot were going to pay more. And the Park Service got, get this, Tom, 110,000 public comments on wow. their proposed increase. They mm-hmm. had to hire several people just to tabulate the, the comments from people. And after that was done, they have now announced that they have rethought the increase situation and they are going to bump uh, the prices just modestly from 30 to $35 a vehicle. People who walk into parks will see a $5 increase also from 7 to 12 or 10 to $15, depending on. There are different tiers of parks. So uh, Yosemite, for example, is a tier one park. Lassen is not. Uh, Sequoia is not. So it depends. If you want to go into the most popular parks, it costs a little more, uh, just about like everything else in life. If you want to go into some of the lesser parks, it doesn't cost as much. And 80% of the par- national park sites do not charge any sort of admission at all. So this is mostly going to impact people who are going to Yosemite, Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, uh, some of the more popular national parks around the country. But very interesting that apparently the public spoke and at least in this case, the the government listened. Uh, people should know that generally the money that is paid to, to enter parks goes back into the park system. They have a tremendous billions and billions and billions of dollars of maintenance backlogs of things that we, we're kind of loving our parks to death. And so far, we haven't shown a propensity to help pay for the things that will keep the parks in good shape for visitors. So uh, the Park Service thought that they could raise the rates fairly significantly and use some of that money. It's interesting to note, though, Tom, that these increases really would not have put a dent uh, in this maintenance, uh, this backlog of maintenance that they have. So it would have perhaps caused some people who go to the parks who don't have a large source of income not to go as often. So anyway, the Park Service has rethought things. The park fees are going up, but they are not going up quite as much as we thought they might. Thomas, have you been to Yosemite Park up recently? Uh, you know, I uh, not recently, but I, I do plan to uh, to get there sometime over the summer or certainly, you know, by fall. One of my favorite places to go. I remember several years ago, a lot, a lot of years ago, you and I, uh, you, you came up with a brilliant idea. So I want to do a, a, a commercial to promote our, our trips to Yosemite. And mm-hmm. you said, Tom, I, I don't know why I'm, I'm 
talking to you like you don't know this, but for the <laughs> listeners, Mark said, Tom, let's go to Yosemite. Let's go to the Valley floor. Bring your tape recorder, and we will record some radio ads right there, live and in living color, if you will, uh, on the on the Valley floor. And, and we did. We went. We recorded some tremendous spots. And, you know, uh, the, the feel and the sound and the life of the park uh, actually made its way uh, right onto the radio. It was very cool. So I'm looking Hi. forward to it. I do recall that that <laughs> trip. Well, take an extra five bucks with you because it's going to cost you just a little bit more to get well, into the. Well, park. I bought one of those uh, one of those lifetime passes uh, before, that while they were still on on uh, on special. Do, doesn't that uh, get me in? Um, it does for now. Um, it does for now. They're still going to continue to honor those uh, li- those quote lifetime passes for now. Um, they are changing them though. And um, and I don't know that lifetime passes are going to be available now, but they're changing uh, the different availabilities and the different discounting and stuff like that. Basically, the parks that were giving themselves away, and they've found that uh, you know they can be a little bit more competitively priced. I guess I might argue that national parks are supposed to kind of be for everybody. So, um, but you you've got to you know parks have to be things have to be repaired and maintenance has to be done in parks and things have to be done to protect. Uh, resources in parks and things like that. So they're not getting the funding that they need. And and the funding is not going to come from, from visitor fees. The funding is going to have to come from the government. And at some point in time, we're going to have to decide if we want our national parks to really be a national treasure or if we just want them to run down a little bit. And I didn't mean this to get into a commentary on national park fees, but it, it, it really is. When you go into the parks all the time, Tom, and you see how what an amazingly beautiful natural resource they are to the people of our country it seems kind of foolish not to take care of them when the amount of money that it would cost to take care of them would be such a such a small amount amen and that is just one man's opinion i guess um let's talk quickly about uh, a space station hotel aurora station the first luxury hotel in space tom what do you suppose a 12-day stay at the new space station luxury hotel is going to run in 2021 when the first people can stay well i would say it's gonna be it's gonna be six figures uh yeah it's gonna be seven figures you can sign up right now um with it you can make a deposit uh, $80,000 deposit, and the deposit is refundable. Um, you will get all kinds of ch- several months of training for your 12-day journey, and it will cost you $9.5 million Holy if you want God. to be on that first. So, you know, you may have to save your... You, you may have to go back to the paper route in the car wash, Tom. Yeah, well, it's going to be a select few. I mean, it, hard to believe, but there are people with that kind of money, and they will go. Well, but listen, when when people started flying commercially, only people could fly were those select few, and eventually it became available to the masses. They crunched the seats together, and now we're all miserable together, no matter how much money you make. Uh, Let's see here. Alaska Airlines, we told you a couple weeks ago that they were changing uh, what they charged for walk-up first class. That was last-minute first-class seats that might be available, which were a tremendous bargain with Alaska, and frankly, even though the prices have been increased, still are. Alaska is bringing some of things into line here because they're merging with Virgin America. They're trying to get in line with what more other airlines do, and this involves carry-on bag sizes. Alaska has always always been a little bit more generous, allowed you a bag that was uh, 
two f- inches longer and three inches higher and one inch wider. And so they are changing that now to coincide with what all other mainline and international carriers allow. This is important because if you were flying Alaska to Seattle and then getting on an international plane, your carry-on bag might fit on the Alaska plane and not be legal on the international flight, which would be a problem for you. So what Alaska is basically doing is saying, our rules will be the same as everybody else. So if you fly Alaska Airlines with a bag that barely fits in the overhead, you may find that it's no longer legal at this point. And one more story here today, Thomas, uh, Chicago aviation security officer who was fired for dragging the man off the United flight a year ago has sued the city and the airline. If you remember the story carefully, um, it turns out the guys who dragged Dr. Dow off the plane for the Chicago Airport Authority and United Airlines last year were not actually police officers. They were security officers. It turns out that one of them, James Long, was actually on lunch when he got the call to go to the gate. And uh, the report said that there was a, a non-life-threatening situation with a, but it could be a uh, a forceful removal of a passenger. Um, Of course, you remember Dr. Dow was forcefully removed by Mr. Long and two other people. Later, the Chicago Airport Authority admitted that those weren't actually police officers. They weren't allowed to carry guns, said the actions of the officers on the plane were completely inappropriate, kind of ragged their own employees. And so now one of them is suing the city of Chicago and the airlines. So this little situation with dragging a guy off the airplane is... Sure had a lot of interesting tentacles. One of the gentlemen who did the dragging is now suing the airline and the city of Chicago. And that is your travel news for today. Well, there you go. We are the Travel Guys. Thanks for uh, coming along. Coming up now, we're going to make you a smarter traveler in our Smarter Traveler segment, which normally runs at 320. Uh, TSA comments on bringing your favorite munchies on board. And I'm going to share with you a quick and easy way to make packing your stuff easier with something I call packing cubes. That's next on the Travel Guys. It's the Travel Guys, Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And time to visit with one of our uh, favorite guests, Dale Keller. He's with the TSA. And today we're going to talk about, you know, that experience going through the TSA and specifically about uh, that food that you love to bring on the plane, either to consume now or later or give to a family member. Dale, welcome to the Travel Guys. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Dale, in recent days here, we I have seen an increase in the number of news articles that are referring to folks bringing food through security, the problems and challenges that it causes. I, it kind of felt like the, the message was, well, if you didn't bring as much food through security, it would be better for everybody. Of course, folks are getting on a plane. Food is expensive in airports. Folks like to bring snacks and things along with them. So, so help us here, Dale. Um, are there certain food items that are tougher for the security? people to uh, how can how can folks going through the airport in sacramento help the tsa to make it a more efficient situation sure sure absolutely you know first off food is not a problem whatsoever uh the only thing that we're going to look for is there are certain foods that are under the x-ray are hard to distinguish from bad things and so what we will do is certain foods we will ask first off as food items things like that we will request that 
you remove them, place them in a bin, kind of separate them from the clutter of the rest of the bag. It allows us to get a, a better image of them quicker, faster, proceeds the, the person through the screening process in uh, a faster manner. Dale, yeah. does that mean that if I've got a big item like uh, a block of cheese or a pound mm-hmm. of fudge or something that's very dense material, that I could maybe save myself a delay after going through the metal detector if I took that item out of my bag and made it more openly visible, made it easier for you guys to handle? Is, would that maybe be the case? Yeah, that could be definitely be the case. If you had a block of cheese, a uh, fudge from grandma's or your own, and you, you placed it in the in a bin separate from your electronics, and when it and it went through as a uh, a separate item, absolutely, that would totally speed the process along. So, what else can we tell folks? How else can we help you with these with these food items? I mean, in terms of how we arrange them, or any other tips that you can give us? Well, the the biggest thing is that we want the more uncluttered the images that the X-ray operator sees, the faster they can clear the items through. So, if items are taken out and arranged in a bin, of course, separate from your electronics again, but are placed, you know, those big dense items are placed separate and not on top of or underneath the clutter of a bag or something, then, yeah, when the x-ray operator sees it, they can identify what it is and then proceed on through. Dale, uh, one last question before we uh, let you go. What about those that go through pre-check TSA? Uh, Same rules, anything different there? Pre-check is different, yes. Uh, with the, the pre-check process, we kind of almost do the opposite. We, we ask that instead of separating things, that you send it all through at once. Uh, we use things that are a little bit different. Yes, the equipment's the same, but the procedures are different. So pre-check passengers, they don't have to worry about it like the, the passengers the proceeding through the standard lines. Dale, thank you so much for a quick update on that. I knew that we could call you and find out what's going on. So really, nothing much has changed. It's just that you guys are trying to keep us safe, and some food items are tough to distinguish from bad things. So anything that folks can do to separate those items or make them more visible to you will probably help all of us. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Dale Keller, who is the Assistant Federal Security Director for Screening at Sacramento International Airport. Dale, thank you so much for joining us on the Travel Guys. Hey, no problem. Thank you, guys. I recently flew through uh, Sacramento Metropolitan International Airport. Uh, I took my cherry pie out. Put it on the conveyor uh-huh. belt. It never came back. They just it was when it by the time I got it, it was just an empty pan. That's all there was, an empty pan. <laughs> Proving that the TSA guys know the difference between a good cherry pie and a not so good cherry pie. Amen. <laughs> um, so Thomas, um, you have come up with a new packing ID. Some some great the, the packing gods have gotten to you. And, uh, and and taught you a little bit about packing. You're becoming a frequent traveler, and a <laughs> really, and a, boy, you're just becoming all whiz bang. I, I, you send me a picture, which I think folks can see on our website at travelguysradio.com. And you were talking about this new concept of packing with pods or cubes. I think you referred to them as. Yes, uh, actually, I give credit to my daughter Sarah, who passed it on to my wife Stephanie who uh, passed it on to me. And if you do go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you can take a look at, uh, I think these are my daughters. In fact, these are kind of the special upgrade ones because they're actually a, a Vera Bradley, and the ladies will know what that is, design. But packing cubes can be 
or can be purchased. Uh, you can go to Amazon, uh, and for probably under $20, you can get about a half a dozen. Uh, there's a number of different places to get them. Just uh, uh, just Google packing cubes on. So why would I want why would I want packing cubes? Well, here's what you do. They're zip up, uh, much like your suitcases. They have two zippers, what, so that it can expand and get larger. You can take a packing cube, you know, either a 11 by 6 or a 13 by 9 or a 17 by 12, and you can organize your shirts into one cube, zip it up. Your socks and underwear into another cube, zip it up. Your, uh, uh, your, your other items that you have, and you can departmentalize all of the things that you put in your luggage. First of all, uh, they won't jostle, jostle around. When you open your luggage, they, they're right where they were to begin with. Uh, if you happen to be one of those people that, uh, you know, maybe uses the drawers in a hotel, which I don't think many people do, you can just take the cubes out and put them in the drawer without really exposing everything to the drawer. Uh, it's easy to, to get to the items that you want. Uh, it saves space. I find I can get a lot more stuff in, a, in my suitcase a lot more organized by uh, by using them um they're waterproof you can get waterproof ones so that if you have some leakage your stuff is going to stay dry uh the convenience is and for those of us that aren't uh real good packers i think this is the way to go it's a real time saver uh makes you look organized too it um, sounds like that it would be just the thing for somebody who's on, let's say, oh, an 11-day road trip like I am right now because, of course, uh, there's 11 days. So because I'm traveling with other people, I have 11 pair of clean underwear and, you know, 11 pairs of socks and uh, uh, eight or nine shirts and a bunch of pants. So it, you're, you are sort of right. I, I can, as I've rummaged through my suitcase for three days and stuff is scattered all over the place, it might be a little better if it was all organized. And for somebody like you, Mark, you could pack uh, several cubes, set them aside, and when you're ready to hit the road, you can just go and grab the specific packs that you want, load up your suitcase, and you're on the road. And, I think uh, you think it's cute that I have that many clothes, but... Uh. <laughs> well, all right. We are the Travel Guys, and uh, by the way, TravelGuysRadio.com for all that we, we talk about. More to come after the news. We're going to be talking home exchange here on the Travel Guys. It's the Travel Guys, Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend with us, and we're here to make you a smarter traveler, and we're going to do that by bringing on one of our favorite guests, Chris Elliott. Chris, welcome to the Travel Guys. Hey, thanks for having me. Chris uh, is joining us from Arizona today. Chris, you related a few days ago online that a new chapter is beginning for your advocacy site. And uh, when I read what you had written, I thought, you know, this probably applies to more than just travel advocacy. It probably applies to advocacy in general. And I was just interested in, uh, tell us what's going on with Elliot.org and, and why you feel this is the time to kind of step up your game a little bit. Yeah, well, we live in very interesting times. As you know, a lot of regulations are being undone right before our eyes, and the need is great. Companies are coming up with new and very creative surcharges. I mean, let's talk travel for a minute. Look at all these ridiculous hotel resort fees that are popping up in Las Vegas now. In some cases, they cost more than the hotel room itself, and you have to pay them. 
So people in a real need right now for people to have advocacy done on their behalf. And so after 20 years of doing this all by myself and with a small group of volunteers, I've decided that it's time to file for a nonprofit status and become an organization. So that's what we're doing. So does this mean you'll be a big CEO? Are you going to have an all-volunteer group, or how are you going to make this all happen? Plus, it looks like, Chris, from the numbers that you relayed here, that people requesting assistance or needing advocacy has gone up pretty dramatically. Yeah, you could say that. Um, We are up probably about 30 to 40 percent every month from a year ago, and I expect us to continue growing at that pace. What that means is that about 500 people a month are filling out that form on my website, which is Elliot.org, E-L-L-I-O-T-T.org, and they're asking for help. And when they fill out that form, they're giving us a lot of information um, about their case, about themselves. They're giving us permission to write about them. So it's, it's not a small thing to fill out that form. We probably receive about um, twice as many cases, just informal emails, people wanting help, and then not filling out the form. So, uh, I mean, I don't see an end to the growth in sight anywhere, and that's one of the reasons why we decided to do this. Um, I personally don't ever see myself as a big CEO sitting in a corner office somewhere. I like to be out in the trenches and getting my hands dirty with cases. I think it's the best job on earth. Chris, I have to ask you, now, as uh, you make some changes in the way you know, your company is set up. Do you anticipate any changes on how the website looks, how people interact with it, uh, the kind of things that you're going to help people out with? What do you see? Yeah, well, we're going to, we're actually working on a new site design, and uh, hopefully it'll be a little easier for people to use. Um, That site, again, is Elliot.org with two L's and two T's. But um, I think that the way that we interact with you, the audience, is going to remain the same. Uh, We're still going to be there for you 24-7. We have volunteers right now who intake all those cases, and we don't just handle travel cases. We handle all kinds of cases. So if you have a problem with uh, a sick appliance, um, a car that turned out to be a lemon, um, and, of course, any travel case, that's something that we can handle, and we're happy to do that. Chris, as the numbers continue to climb and the number of people looking for advocacy at Elliot.org, you have some tools there at the website that allow people not only to come and ask you for help, but it's it's sort of set up as a self-help type of thing first. I mean, it's fine for people to ask for your assistance, but you've kind of given them the tools there to be able to help themselves. Explain that a little bit, if you would. Right. The mission of Elliot.org is to help people, empower them with the tools that they need to advocate for themselves and to then help people who can't help themselves. And uh, so there's a big emphasis on that. I've always said the backbone of our website, the, 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 the core, if you will, is this list of more than 500 company contact pages. Um, we go out, we have a research team, we go out, we find the names, numbers, and email addresses of all of the company contacts uh, anyone with the name of with the word customer service in the title, and we publish those uh, sometimes at great risk to ourselves. Because I have to tell you, every couple of months we're going to we get a, a, an email or a, a letter from a, a law firm threatening to sue us if we don't take down the um, the name of one of their executives. But we we think that it's, this is a good uh, public service. We're protected by the First Amendment. And whenever we explain that, they, the law firms inevitably go away because they know they can't win the case. And, um, and those 
company contacts then help people fix the problems that they have. And we give you step-by-step directions on how to fix the problem. So we don't leave you alone and say, here, just email the CEO. We tell you how to do it too. And I think that probably leads a lot of folks to being able, Chris, to to help themselves, which I think is kind of the way that your advocacy program works. If you can help yourself, great. And frequently you have notes from folks on your website that, that indicate that indeed they've been able to get through the muck um, on their own. Chris's column appears every Sunday in the Sacramento Bee in the travel section or on the travel page of the paper. You can also go, as Chris mentioned, to his website at Elliot.org. He also has a book out, um, How to Make You a Smarter Traveler. So you can find out how to get that at the website. Chris, um, I, I just wanted to kind of check in with you here and find out what's going on uh, for, for the folks who are listening and need some help. Now they know where to go. We will put a link, as we always do, to your website. It's on permanently at TravelGuysRadio.com. And uh, keep us posted in the months to come as uh, things kind of perhaps take on a little bit different look, but in other ways stay the same. Great. And thank you so much for your support. It really means a lot to me. You know, Tom, I don't know of anybody out there who works harder for consumers uh, than Chris Elliott does. I mean, really and truly, not only on with travel problems, but with all other things. Uh, his article, his column is in the Sacramento Bee today, the Sunday Bee, a thing about a, a lady who uh, paid Hertz uh, some money that, that they shouldn't have gotten, and he helped her get it back. So not only do they help people, but they also show people how to help themselves. And I, I just think that's an incredible public service. I agree. Uh, Chris is, a, you know, a one of a kind. Uh, and, and the thing is, is that we've discovered that Whenever we call and want to spend some time with him and, and share some of his knowledge with our listeners that he's uh, he's always there for us. And uh, and I've given his book on more than one occasion as a as a Christmas gift or a birthday gift to folks. And they dig through it and go away uh, being smarter travelers. There's a lot of stuff that you can glean from that. And we always enjoy having Chris on the program and and we wish him well with uh, the a sort of slight redesign, if you will, as to what's going on with his website as he continues to help uh, hundreds and thousands of people uh, a year with their with their consumer advocacy issues. And certainly us travelers have plenty of those. Absolutely. So, Thomas, what's coming up next here on the program? All right. At the break, I kind of got things backwards. We had Chris on just now, but coming up after our break, we're going to take a moment and talk about home exchange. Would you be willing to invite someone to use your home while you were on vacation in another part of the country or, for that matter, another part of the world uh, for a week or two weeks in their home? Straight up exchange. It's happening. It's been going on for a long time. We're going to be talking with a gentleman also named Chris and uh, how that works and how maybe you can take advantage of it. It's a lot of fun. And it's next on The Travel Guys. Hold on. Welcome, everyone. You have the Travel Guys, Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, here every week, 3 to 4, to make you a smarter traveler. Now, don't forget, you can follow along with all we talk about, links to our guests at TravelGuysRadio.com. Mark, uh, who do we have on the line with us today? Well, Tom, we're going to do something here, a little fun. You know, Airbnb has become very popular, people staying in, in other people's homes for a price, and we have found something that 
kind of spins off of that that same sort of place. This is folks who exchange their homes for other people's homes. Uh, HomeExchange.com. Our guest on the on the Travel Guys today is Christopher Erkelens. Christopher is the regional manager in the United States for HomeExchange.com. Christopher, welcome to the Travel Guys. Hi, thanks so much. Chris, tell us a little bit about Home Exchange. Uh, how long has it been around, and what's the basic premise? So, Home Exchange, our company has been around since '92, since before the internet, and um, the concept itself has been around since the '60s, actually. So, people have been doing this for a very long time. So, it's not something that's as new as as Airbnb, and basically, it's it's folks exchanging their home with someone else for a vacation. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. The basic concept is I go to your house, you come to mine. Uh, We don't exchange any money throughout that process. So essentially, it's holidays for free, Um, you know, with the exception of airfare or car, gas, etc. But what it allows people to do is not spend any additional money than they would be by staying home. Uh, They're paying their rent or mortgage, and they are able to then enjoy somebody else's home while they're somebody else is visiting their home. Very attractive idea. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, Tom, it it seems as though this would be something that would appeal to a lot of people. Christopher, let me ask you, though, the first thing I'm thinking is, do the dates have to line up exactly? In other words, if I decide I want to stay in your place and you want to stay in mine, does it have to be the third week of January, or or sometimes the exchange is done on different dates? Well, that's a great question, because we do have all sorts of these types of exchanges. So for the majority of the people, yes, it does have to online because, well, you, you, your home is only available when you're not there. Um, exactly. However, if you have a second home, then the dates don't have to align at all. Or if you have you know, some alternate means, like let's say I'm traveling on business, I could make my home available for somebody to come to my home during an available period. Christopher, I went to your website, homeexchange.com, pulled it up. I've pulled up San Francisco just by chance because it's a city I'm a little bit familiar with. And goodness, there are 496 homes available uh, in San Francisco, and some of them are... Just, uh, well, I mean, spectacular. It doesn't begin to describe it. Um, locations and some of the views, and there are just some beautiful homes in here. So I would go on the website. I would pull up a city. I would figure out when I wanted to go, and then walk me through what happens next. Yeah, so as you said, I mean, we have beautiful homes predominantly because these are people's primary homes. Uh, this is where they live. Uh, and they don't like to just rent them out to anybody, but they see a lot of value in what they have. And they, they do this once or twice per year. Uh, now, if I were to go on to homeexchange.com and look up San Francisco, then I would essentially find a home that I want to exchange with and send them a message. Um, this is all secure through our, uh, through our website. Um, there is no exchange of email or personal data like uh, addresses or phone numbers until the member is absolute ready to, um, to make the exchange. Uh, so they would message a few times, have perhaps one or two phone calls or Skype conversations, and once they feel comfortable, then they register their exchange and make the deal happen. Christopher, like Airbnb, do you vet out your 
your clients in regards to those that want to post their home to be on the exchange, uh, have certain kind of requirements, uh, any kind of insurance or coverage in case uh, it isn't what people expect. Uh, how do you how do you do that? How do you vet out your uh, your clients? So essentially, we want to make sure that the people on home exchange are real people with real addresses. Uh, believe it or not, you know, people might want to scam or to uh, take advantage of, of our members, but um, we are catching all of those ahead of time. Um, we have a team of people that is dedicated just to catching uh, any um, nefarious situation, if you will. And so we check that. We check that you're a real person, that you're verified through a phone number. Uh, you have an actual credit card or a billing method. Um, and essentially, we are allowing people to make a decision on their own. We always tell our members that the best um, security really is your intuition uh, because people are having interactions, people are having communication with the potential exchange partner. It really is up to the, to the member to decide whether they're comfortable. At any point, they can always say, no thanks, uh, I'll skip this time. And how, so Christopher, how does Home Exchange make their money? <laughs> yeah, so we are a membership site. We are uh, like a travel club. You pay $150 per year, and that's it. There's no per exchange fee. There's no nightly fees or anything along those lines. It is it's entirely um, one-time fee per year. Tom, I, I I just got to tell you, Tom, this sounds like a a, a a huge step ahead of Airbnb. I mean, it, it's you're going to get to live in somebody, you're going to go and live in somebody's home, not a, a not a house that somebody has set up to rent out to people on a regular basis, but a place where people actually live. That doesn't that sound kind of appealing to you? It does. I think that would be a wonderful way to uh, to go. You know, and I'm I understand that there's uh, requirements that you you have to probably. Live leave the house in the same wonderful condition that you got it uh, or, or get a, a bad mark. Uh, but it does sound like the way to go. Is, is that true, Christopher? Yes, that is not an unusual experience. Uh, we have members that just rave about their experience and the fact that they get to live like a local uh, mm -hmm. when they're there because you are surrounded by neighbors. And, mm -hmm. you know, our members, they love to welcome people. They love to uh, leave welcome packages. They love to uh, coordinate uh, events for them and, and say, hey, come meet my neighbors, come meet my, my friend who's a, who's a restaurateur and uh, here's some locally baked bread and so on and so forth. So it's a, it's a truly unique experience. And yes, it's, it's absolutely international. Um, this summer, my family and I were going to Paris for six weeks, something that we would not be able to afford uh, if it wasn't for home exchange. So it, it is truly uh, a unique experience. Wow, wow. Sounds awesome. Sounds absolutely awesome. It's Home Exchange, um, and if you're looking for a lovely home to stay in any place just about on the planet, you can probably find one there. Uh, Christopher, thank you so much for your time today. If you would like to find out more about Home Exchange, go to TravelGuysRadio.com, and we will have a link there for you. And if you are somebody who has done a Home Exchange in the past, there's a, an opportunity there at Travel Guys Radio. You can send us a little note. We would love to hear about what your experiences have been if you have exchanged a home. Thank you, Christopher, for joining us on The Travel Guys. My pleasure. You know, Mark, a couple of things come to mind. Number one, you know, the amount of work I would have to go to to allow people to come stay in my home and feel comfortable would be astronomical. Number two, uh, 
you better warn your neighbors ahead of time that you are doing a home exchange. Oh, yeah. Because if you didn't, can you imagine you leave for like uh, two weeks, right? And your neighbors see this car drive up with a family. They get out. They move into your house. I mean, mean, the idea of, uh, you know. um, I can see that would cause the neighbors a bit of concern. It would, you know. I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to put in place to to do this. But once you have them in place, I think it would be just awesome. Oh. I think you want to hope that it would cause the neighbors some concern. I mean, <laughs> you, you'd like to think that your neighbors would respond if someone showed up to live in your house for a week. But you're, you're right. There would be some other things that you would have to do. But it does kind of sound like the ultimate idea because, you know, you talk about security and stuff like that. Well, of course, you're staying in their house while they're staying in yours. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a quid pro quo there. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it, it seems to me like the perfect way. You pay these guys a little bit of a finder's fee to kind of get you hooked up and together. And uh, you could go, I mean, there, there literally are all those homes in San Francisco, and some of them are incredibly spectacular locations and views and things of that sort, and, and some of them for not much more than what you would pay for an upscale hotel room in San Francisco. Wow. All righty. Uh, let's uh, spend a couple of minutes and uh, talk about the, the the mother road, Route 66. Tell me what's going on. What have you seen well, so far? Just, we've just kind of started out our, our, our journey um, here as we're going through Illinois. And I mentioned that the weather has not been particularly cooperative here, although we've been able to dodge the snowstorm so far. Um, this is really and we'll talk to, to John Weiss on the program next week, um, who has been with us as our step on guide, because John can tell you if you only have a day sometime to travel the old highway. You want to travel out of Chicago down to Springfield. You could go. You could do that in a day, uh, and probably get back to Chicago if you didn't make too many stops. Uh, you could go like to Atlanta. Atlanta, Illinois, a little town of about 1,200 people where we had lunch today at the Palm Cafe. Probably the best meatloaf that you'll ever eat in your life is served at the Palm Cafe in Atlanta. And they have homemade pies. I mean, these are the kinds of places, you know, I guess I wouldn't call them greasy spoons because they're not. Um, In Pontiac, little town of Pontiac, Illinois, the Wall Dogs, a group of guys who paint murals on, on, on walls around the city for free, just for the publicity of and the joy of having done it, have picked Pontiac a number of years ago. So there are all these wonderful murals around town depicting historic things and the old highway and things that have happened in town. And it just it's just a, we went to Lincoln today, which is the only city named after our former president, which was named after him while he was still alive. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and in one place in town, one building in town has a giant phone booth on the roof. Uh, we didn't figure out why, but <laughs> there's a giant Abe Lincoln with the world's largest covered wagon. Except it's not covered anymore because high winds keep blowing the cover off the wagon. There are all, all of these things along the highway that you probably wouldn't consider important unless you were on one of these journeys. Uh, tomorrow we're going to see a rabbit who autographs postcards in a small town here uh, in the- Illinois. And then the next day we're going to walk on a bridge, the only pedestrian bridge over the Mississippi River. Awesome. Uh, the Rabbit Ranch is where you're going, right? <laughs> yes, is it is. That what it's called? Gentleman has has sawed off a bunch of Volkswagen rabbit cars, mm-hmm. so he has the halves of the cars <laughs> all around his property, and he has live rabbits in his little title company office and uh, that cool. he bought 
for his daughter when she was in high school. Long story, but uh, that's where we will be tomorrow, getting our postcards autographed by a rabbit. Well, all right. And, Mark, along the way, you're going to grab some uh, some interviews. And next week uh, on the Travel Guys, we're going to uh, dedicate the entire show to Route 66. Uh, some final comments before we go. Uh, just uh, We're looking for some warm weather here and dance like nobody's watching. All right, my friends, TravelGuysRadio.com. Stay well. See you next week.